public of middle-aged men. Uh, for those listening, you can't see how ridiculous this is, but uh, I got a Mandalorian helmet, and the tradition is to always wear a hat in every episode, and uh, I'm not going to wear this one the whole time, because I won't be able to see or speak anything. I won't even be able to have a drink, uh, which is our tradition, so I'm going to remove this. Uh, Mate, uh, I've watched the Mandalorian, you just like lift up the end of your uh, your helmet, so you just like <laughs> put it in there. Uh, <laughs> That's too funny. So, uh, my beverage this evening is a Coke Zero Sugar with uh, whiskey. Like, as in uh, Johnny Walker or Jack Daniels, one of those ones. Uh, well, how about you, Lachlan? What are you drinking? Well, um, you know, we're having a bit of a, a, a pre-show chat and I made my way all through my... Uh, <laughs> my Kraken and, uh, and and ginger beer and I'm uh, all out of ginger beer so I've switched back to a, uh, a G&T now so uh, uh, there, you go. <laughs> there we go <laughs> very good how about you Ruben uh, just Johnny Walker Black with a bit of ice mm. we're all good. keeping it pretty short sure. it's beer free in January obviously it's beer <laughs> yeah uh, so, yeah, um, back into the apology, uh, we will go. Hmm. Um, yeah, uh, just before we start, um, obviously we've just had um, Christy and New Year's and a bit of a break. Uh, I had a pretty good Christmas and New Year's, hosted many things at our place. Um, got to see family and friends as well, and that was great. Um how about you guys? Uh, Lachlan, how was your Christmas, New Year's? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Um, we had something pretty similar, you know. Um, I had a couple of weeks off, but just sort of knocked about at home. And, uh, you know, we had, um, you know, a few relos sort of stopped by, a couple of barbecues and all that sort of thing. And just, uh, you know, got up to all the usual tricks. Actually got to the beach once, you know, pick, picked a good day where it wasn't raining for a change because the weather's been rubbish in, in Sydney off and on. But, um it, uh, no, it was good to get down the beach. I think that's my uh, one of two trips for the year I'll probably ever make. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you yeah, mine was good. As far as Christmases and New Year's go, it was good. Yeah. Very, very good. Um, favorite gift from Santa, just before we play on, without notice? <laughs> well, I. Uh, uh, sort of bought it myself. <laughs> <laughs> well played. But, uh, uh, just because I, I broke my uh, I broke my old um, Apple Watch, so, um, so I had to buy another one. But I'd had that one for three or four years, and uh, I don't know I kind of begrudge because they're kind of expensive. So I didn't buy the, the latest gen, but I don't know got the one before. But I'm pretty happy with it. It's um, more than anything. It uh, sort of links in with my phone well, but also I, I do use it to sort of uh, try and motivate me to do my fitness stuff, get my steps and all that sort of shenanigans. So it's um, it's good having it back on there, telling me I'm not moving enough. So um, <laughs> <laughs> nice. prompting me to do something. Nice. Um, by the it, way, even, oh yeah, go, Ruth, does go. it even count as a Christmas present if you're replacing some broken? Yeah. Uh, you know that that's what that's what we do when we're middle aged, right? That, that's how that's how it is. 
you got to be sensible. Uh, looking at your shirt lock when I spot Skeletor in the middle yeah, of it. Um, did you know there's a Facebook account where someone is pretending to be Skeletor and he's giving out like all these different quotes, like a Dalai Lama or something? It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I've seen. Oh, yeah, I love it. It's great. Um, <laughs> how about you, Ruben? Favorite Christmas present? Um. Yeah, I reckon probably I completed my collection of Dostoevsky novels, so I've got all of them. I'm good to go now. Yeah, buddy. So I still needed uh, Brothers Karamazov, so I've got that. So I'm thinking I might hook into that this year. But it's yeah, big, it's and I'm like... What's that? It's on my list to read, for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, that's what you've got to do. Tell me, you've, you've collected them all... How many have you read? You've been keeping. Um, I've read the shorter ones, um, like uh, Underground Man and all that sort of gear. Um, I haven't read The Gambler. I've read uh, Demons and Crime and Punishment. Um, so yeah, I think I'll do Brothers next. Nice. Demons. Demons is good. I, I mean, I read Crime and Punishment years ago, um, and. Um, but then Demons, much, much more recently, like just sort of mid last year. I think mm. I like Demons better. If you, I mean, if you're going to choose really? one or the other, I don't know what to do with Dostoevsky novels. But yeah, <laughs> very, very interesting. Nice. Very good. Um, um, if, we did, if we did a um, Dostoevsky novel uh, on this podcast, it'd probably take us five years. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it, the, the, the rate we're going, it's like. Uh, the, I remember saying at the start of the the apology, it's a short one. We'll just do a couple of episodes and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. I feel like it's a lesson I've learned before, but in a different context. <laughs> so it used to be when I would have old cars as my everyday mode of transport rather than as a toy, like now. Mm. Um, I would say to my wife, "I'm going to go work on this car. It should take two hours." And yep. in her mind, she just adjusted that to somewhere between four and six. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she knows that it never goes out. It should go. Um, so I feel yeah. like I need to take that lesson because now I know, okay, whatever my first thought is of this is how long it will take, multiply yeah. it by two. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's my rule now for this as well. <laughs> Sounds safe to me. Um, my favorite Christmas present hasn't arrived yet. Um, uh, so I told my wife what I would like, and then she went to order it, couldn't pay for it because there was no PayPal account set up or something. And, um, and then when she got me to go to order it, she pointed out to me that it may not actually be the one I wanted. And she was right. So then the one I did want had like a four to six week shipping on it. So, uh, it hasn't yet arrived, <laughs> but, um, I ordered a, a Millery Sphere. So, um, it's like a ancient way of navigation and, okay. um, it's pretty cool. So when it does arrive, I will share photos of it on the podcast so you can see what it looks like, but yeah, it's pretty cool. What's it called? Uh, armillary sphere, like arm Hillary. Um, he's punching it into Google. Yeah. He's yeah, just going to look. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. 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 Okay. So pretty. I had to look it up too when he told me about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a bit weird, but uh, I dig it. So, 
Um, yeah. and, and, and strange coincidence. Um, I went to a 70th birthday party yesterday, and one of As my you wife's, do when you're yeah, and one of my wife's cousins' husbands um, does like he makes maps for of Australia, like for, figures out the exact location of coordinates on rural properties and indicate and then goes okay this is exactly where this is and and helps survey and i'm like that's yeah. awesome hmm. so yeah i had a good chat with him enjoyed that there you go all right well let's get into this um this is a big chunky paragraph so i'll read the whole thing and then we can go from there sounds good okay and now athenians I am not going to argue for my own sake, as you may think, but for yours, that you may not sin against the God by condemning me, who am his gift to you. For if you kill me, you will not easily find a successor to me, who, if I may use such a ludicrous figure of speech, am a sort of gadfly given to the state by God. And the state is a great and noble steed who is tardy in his motions owing to his very size and requires to be stirred into life. I am that gadfly which God has attached to the state, and all day long and in all places am always fastening upon you, arousing and persuading and reproaching you. You will not easily find another like me, and therefore I would advise you to spare me. I dare say that you may feel out of temper like a person who is suddenly awakened from sleep, and you think that you might easily strike me dead as Anitus advises, and then you would sleep on for the remainder of your lives, unless God in his care of you sent another gadfly. When I say that I am given to you by God, the proof of my mission is this. If I had been like other men, I should not have neglected all my own concerns, or patiently seen the neglect of them during all these years and have been doing yours, coming to you individually like a father or an elder brother, exhorting you to regard virtue. Such conduct, I say, would be unlike human nature. If I had gained anything, or if my exhortations had been paid, there would have been some sense in my doing so. But now, as you will perceive, not even the impudence of my accusers dares to say that I have ever exacted or sought pay off anyone. Of that they have no witness, and I have a sufficient witness to the truth of what I say. My poverty. <laughs> I don't think he understands how annoying flies can be. <laughs> uh, on the contrary, I think he does kind of understand it. And I think that's actually like, that's exactly his point. He's like, I know I'm an annoying asshole, right? And like, You'll think life's going to be easier if you just kind of like, you know, turn on the, uh, you know, the electric light and zap me or whatever, the bug zapper. But, um, you know, it's worth keeping me around because I'm, I'm doing the job that no one else wants to do and reminding you guys with all that annoying shit you don't want to know about. Yeah. <laughs> but flies are annoying well, and I'll go out of my way to kill them. <laughs> yeah. Well, the gadfly is not a regular fly. Like, it's these like big horse. Though. They're also called horse flies. They're big bastards. Is it like a march fly? And, um, yeah, yeah, um, and yeah. Apparently, they bite livestock and can set them off. Like, they can be 
they can actually apparently they can be pretty dangerous like if you're on a horse and one bites the horse it can <laughs> kick you off and things like that. so um yeah i don't know he's trying to say that uh what i um what i do might be hurting you but it's better for you in the long run or something i don't know <laughs> I do like that he uh, refers to himself as uh, a gift from the gods or a gift from God to you. <laughs> Very modest. Yeah. Yeah, but no one ever thinks of a marsh fly as a gift from God. Like, it's a funny analogy. I, surely you could come up with something a little bit different. <laughs> like, you know, if the doctor says to you, there's an issue, you don't just want to kill the doctor because you don't want to hear there's an issue. But no, he's gone the other way. So, so what uh, you, you think it could be something a bit more like uh, something a bit more mild, like uh, uh, I'm the I'm the uh, chafing around your nuts on a hot day. <laughs> 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 I'm the, the stone in your shoe or something like that. But <laughs> it's just a strange analogy. Like, yeah, mm. it is weird. Um, okay, so. One of the charges against him is that he's an atheist, which we've looked at previously. Like, yes, his whole defense is that he's trying to not sin against the God that you know convicted him to be this way. Yeah, so yeah. That, that's interesting. Yeah, and look, obviously he'd been, uh, I think, accused of taking you know money for his services, and it wasn't sort of. I can't remember that bit right at the very start there, but uh, it was something like, um, it wasn't so much even like an accusation. It was just kind of like, oh, you know, he obviously gets paid sort of to do this, if you know, it was kind of the implication is like, no, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm poor I'm as. Not, yeah, I'm not here, um, you know, uh, as the advisor, you know, collecting my consultant's fee on the way through, so. You know, uh, have you seen my Crocs? I haven't replaced them in 20 years. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows yeah, he's in Yeah, he's admitting to it. <laughs> yeah. For sure, for sure. But, um, oh, look, I, I think he puts paid to that point fairly well, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the, the analogy is not great, though. Yeah, Gadfly. I think we get a point. <laughs> <laughs> he's also like you're not. He's like you're gonna you're gonna you get rid of me, but you like you're only gonna hurt yourself. Basically, that's what he's saying. He's like you won't get another one like me. <laughs> a little arrogant, I suppose, but 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 I suppose he's right though because like uh, that's the whole point because he sticks out right because no one else yeah. will, will will say this stuff and I think he's pretty you know, upfront about that, like, here we are, you know, you're surrounded by the sophists, still telling, telling you what you want to hear. And uh, I'm going against the grain. And I know it's uncomfortable. But sometimes you need to hear it. And, uh, you know, it's that sort of uh, getting that dose of cod liver, cod liver oil, if you want to go old school, but um, mm -hmm. you know, it doesn't <laughs> taste good, but it might do you some good. Yeah, the old top love. Mm. All right, well, uh, I'll continue on to the next one. If you guys are happy for me to. Go for it. Yeah, go. Someone may wonder why I go about in private giving advice and busying myself with the concerns of others. 
but do not venture to come forward in public and advise the state. I will tell you why. You have heard me speak at sundry times and in divers places of an oracle or sign which comes to me, and is the divinity uh, which Miletus ridicules in the indictment. This sign, which is a kind of voice, first began to come to me when I was a child. It always forbids, but never commands me to do anything which I am going to do. This is what deters me from being a politician, and rightly, as I think, for I am certain, O men of Athens, that if I had engaged in politics, I should have perished long ago, and done no good either to you or to myself. And do not be offended at my telling you the truth, for the truth is that no man who goes to war with you or any other multitude honestly striving against the many lawless and unrighteous deeds which are done in a state will save his life. He who will fight for the right, if he would live even for a brief space, must have a private station and not a public one. Mm. Separation of self and state? <laughs> <laughs> I think for the uh, the the times he, he does make a good point, um, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it's funny. I think like politicians who do dish out the tough love come under fire pretty hard at the time when they do it, if you know what I mean. But are often looked back upon in a, a decade's time and said. They actually showed real leadership at that time, making the tough or unpopular decision mm. in doing something that was for the the benefit of the, the state, even though it wasn't uh, necessarily popular at the time. Who's um, the last Australian politician that you recall doing that? Just out of curiosity, John Howard. Yep. When? What, uh, what was it specifically? Maybe Tony Abbott. Even. Oh. Okay. He got pretty unpopular pretty quick. Yeah. What was the, the the incident for Mr. Abbott? I don't even remember. You know what I remember from him, though, is that they, they had footage of him where someone said something to him in the courtyard or something, and he got real fired up, and he gave this guy a stare. And then they're like, oh, he's, he's, you know, he looks like he was about to hit him. And I'm like, good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, at least he's got some fire. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I'm not particularly a supporter of either of the parties or Tony Abbott in particular, but it, mm. like, to me, that was a non-story. I'm like, yeah, he's a, he's a bloke. He's a man. Good. Good. Yeah. Got a backbone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he didn't hit him. <laughs> well, at least he didn't have uh, you know, passion to fight for what he, I don't mean necessarily even physically, but the fact he's steaming about something means he cares. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. fire up, yeah. you know? How about, so what was your example with Howard that came to mind there, Lachlan? I, he did a lot of unpopular stuff, but and it was mostly because the economy was in a bit of a state at the time. Um, and so there's a lot of financial policy, which, which wasn't popular, um, but ended up returning the um, um, Australian government into surplus rather than deficit. So I, I definitely... He definitely put... I think I, well, I don't know that much about economics, but it seems to me that he really put our country in a, a, a state of prosperity for a long time. Like mm. we're probably mm. still benefiting from it. I think so, and uh, well, 
we've never seen surplus again. So um, it's a pretty unusual situation, actually. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I think a lot of politicians, it's pretty tough to go and make those calls sometimes because you know you're going to cop a bit of flack. I mean, it might have been too, like, you could think back to the the times when um, the uh, the Hub Bridge was built during the the Great Depression, and um, undertaking such big social works and indebtedness when the country was already in like financial strife, they probably copped a bit of flack for that at the time. Um, but it was a, 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 a piece of work that actually sort of like I think inspired and propped up a nation and actually helped sort of set us forth on the right path, if you know what I mean. And they probably copped a lot of mm. stick for that at the time when they proposed it. So, um, mm. I don't know. T- tough thing. And, and I think it's always like, you know, hindsight where, where people are going to look back and see whether, you know, it was the right decision or the wrong decision. Because uh, you know, I suppose it could quite easily be the wrong one. But uh... <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. I thought of Howard as well, but I thought of him because of the... Uh after the shooting massacre how he was like nut i'm pushing these changes around firearm ownership through and it was very unpopular within his own party and i remember him sitting in front of all those people and just going no (laughs) and you know whether or not that's the right call i I don't have a strong opinion about that but it was certainly a tough call and it was a call that showed he was willing to say no to his own voters if based on a decision on conviction and yeah, like, oh, yeah. Okay. That's yeah. That's some good leadership there. I, I'd forgotten about that, but um, yeah, you're right. And uh, that would have been because the uh, the National Party were obviously working with the Liberals very tightly at that point in time, and the Nationals yeah. were um, um, a bit more keen on on guns and all that sort of stuff. So being sort of more rural focused. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And as I said, like I I can see both sides of the argument, and I'm not anti-firearm and I'm not pro-firearm I don't really have an opinion about it but I I just recall watching that Mm. conference that he did and it was just I it took a lot of guts for him to do that and he put his prime ministership on the line because it was his own people that he was saying no to it wasn't the opposition he um, did that a few times on a few different things I don't know if you remember the um it was the children overboard thing with the illegal yeah. immigration and stuff as well. And that, that was an absolute big, big thing. And the, the media were all just slamming him hard on all that stuff, stuff as well. So Yeah, he fixed that problem too though, didn't he? He did. Forgot yeah. about that. He did. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty tough on that. So until Kevin O seven, then the problem came back again and then Tony Abbott made it go away again by bringing in the Howard policies again. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. Anyway, all right, let's mm. play on. Um, so coming back to what we just read, um, he mentions the Oracle again. Uh, and Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think what he's mentioning here is different from the Oracle. Like I think here he's talking about like a literal voice in his head. Kind of sounds like a conscience or something. Yeah, yes, I agree. Had he mentioned that before? I couldn't remember uh, I can't remember. I think he did, but I, I just assume also that he's probably talks about it in some. He's probably in some of the other work, like other his, some of the other writings or whatever. But I yeah, I'm curious. 
I must say, I was surprised at this answer because after reading The Republic, um, yeah, he was pretty adamant that people running that thing should be philosophers. So the fact that he then is like, I can't be there in, pol in government at all, I found that curious because I know other philosophers, um, you know, there's quotes, I think, from, could be Seneca, eh, I might be wrong about this, um, but it's those, or maybe it's Marcus Aurelius, those who are indifferent to public affairs are destined to be ruled by evil men or something along those lines. Mm. Um, so and maybe this is proof of that. <laughs> um, well, it could just be too, remembering the Republic too, it was like, like warrior philosophers, if you know what I mean. So um, maybe he's sort of a, a, bit, a bit lacking on that front, which is what, you know, obviously Marcus Aurelius had the embodiment of like both of those things, right? Um, oh, I also think when he's talking in the Republic, he's talking about his ideal state. And he's like, in that situation, yep. they should be philosophers. Actually, um, it was Plato, and... sorry. Plato said it. Yeah, the price good men pay for indifference to public affairs is to be ruled by evil men. Yeah. So, sorry, Ruben, what were you saying? Oh, no, no I was just saying, like, when, when, he, when he's talking about, he's saying the leaders should be philosophers, um, he probably realises that's, you know, in the in the world that he's imagining, but in, the, yep. in, in his actual reality, you pretty much just get you killed, which is kind of what he's saying in this paragraph. He's just like, which is kind of amusing. He's sort of like, you guys are trying to kill me now. And I'm just talking to individuals. Can you imagine if you gave me any modicum of power? You probably would have yeah. killed me years ago. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Which is probably accurate. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think I hadn't considered it that way, Ruben, but you're right. Mm -hmm. um, but it's interesting how he said he wouldn't have done any good to himself or to anyone else if he'd had that power wow. too. Uh, only, I think, because he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> but I think he, he might also still be emphasizing once again, like his obedience to the gods or whatever. Yeah. It is like laying it on. Saying I'm not, yeah, he's laying it on. I think it's kind of like, you, you guys are saying I'm not spiritual. I'm like the most spiritual, bro. I'm like yeah. super spiritual. <laughs> I eat kale and shit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm super tight with Delphi, all right? So do you think Do you think it's this quote here, he who will fight for the right, if he would live even for a brief space, must have a private station and not a public one? Do you think that's true? Uh, maybe. Is he talking about in the context of the way his society is geared there? Then, yeah, I think he, I guess he's right. Well, he has to be right. They're trying to kill him. He's not even in public office. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really thought about that, mate. Like, it makes me think, being Christian, of Jesus, like, how long does his ministry go for? Like, 18 months? Yeah, it wasn't long. He got wrecked. Yeah. So that's true, in, in regards to that context. But I'm trying to think of other people that we would look at and go, that person was really... Uh, trying to fight for the right yeah, do they always uh, get wrecked well i think anybody i mean 
this is the whole thing right now with like council culture. Like uh, mm. you say one thing, you'll be strung up these days. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, I don't know. This is the sort of the, the, the challenge right now. I don't know who'd be keen to say anything at all. <laughs> and, yeah. and that's the danger, really, because. Well, yeah, he refers to it as going up against a multitude. So you're going up against the, you know, the majority. That's never going to go well, is it? No. Hmm. Although, just on what you just said, I'm not convinced that the uh, um, that cancel culture stuff. This is totally speculative, but I'm not convinced that is a majority. Well, no, you're right. It's just, I think, uh, it's just greater access to ways to vocalize, I think, is the... So it's actually... It's a loud minority. It's yeah, a mob. Loud. Yeah, but it is a mob. So as a, as a good individual... Still a mob, yeah. Yeah, as a good individual, you are outnumbered by that mob. But I think it's yeah, that right. thing yeah, that like, like Socrates is kind of pointing out, though. It's that, you know, while there might be some people who are happy to... Um, um, to speak out against it, right? Nobody else wants to sort of speak up on the other side. It's like Socrates here. He's like almost like calling out to the crowd at different points in time, just sort of saying like, you know me, you know me. Like no one, no one's jumping in to help him, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's sometimes like this is sort of the situation, right? You might be pointing out something that's kind of like unpopular but true, but no one else wants to back you because, you know, there's a few other people already like, you know, mouthpieces, talking about what you're saying and what you're doing and, and how that's not right. And yeah. You don't want to be that first guy that says the King's wearing no clothes. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you don't want to be up there next to Socrates, right? That's the problem. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. And is that, um, is that being brave? Is it, I don't know. What, what is that? I think that's something that George R. R. Martin in his writings compared to a Tolkien, that sort of thing. I think he explores that idea sometimes better, but I'm still yet to find someone that explores that really well. Like it's, um, actually that Bloomin' Endor show, that Star Wars Endor show, yeah, yeah, yeah. that explores yeah. that very well. Of yeah, true. For you to defeat the evil, mm. you know, um, there are some characters in that story that can't be consistently good and they have yep. to use the tools of their enemy to defeat their enemy in that's their opinion right that mm -hmm. so then they justify bad deeds for the greater good yeah and uh it's that area of gray that i think a lot of people in story haven't explored very well so i'm i but it's and that's also, out of my ignorance. Like, <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of things that have explored that world that I just haven't seen. But out of yeah. the pop culture I've grown up with, you know, um, and I think that's what, yeah, Star Wars was like, Luke's like super good, Vader's super bad. Um, there's no, not really any grey in those contests. And same with Lord of the Rings. It's like everyone is bad or orcs pretty much. It's very obvious they're bad, they're good. Yeah. The lines yeah. are very clear. Um, but George R. R. Martin's stuff is more good people do bad things and bad people do good things and it's difficult mm. and some people complicate it. Sometimes they do good things, sometimes they do bad things. And yeah, I don't know. Are you aware of a good story 
or a good example where someone has remained silent for the long game rather than like so imagine someone like Plato himself maybe sitting in this room listening to Socrates trial now why how come Plato didn't stand up and and, yeah, and say anything and yeah. it's similar uh, to it's similar to Christ and and Peter denying him three times hmm. you know what are your thoughts Ruben uh yeah I can't really think of anything off the top of my head but I did watch an interesting show recently um called the white lotus um oh what's that it's like a season season it's like a i've only seen the first season but it's 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 a bit like it's a bit it's pretty rude show really but um the they uh go to it's just a resort and there's it follows this family through this resort and um someone dies throughout the show whatever um but what was interesting when you're talking about people doing good things for bad reasons and bad things for good reasons and that sort of stuff. Uh, I found the characters really interesting in that show because they were all, every character in that show was a little bit right and a little bit wrong. Mm. There was okay. no like clear cut. That guy's just a douche. Like everyone was just, everyone was complicated enough to be a little bit right and a little bit wrong. That's not quite what you're saying though, no. Well, I'm saying like, if you were, if you were, 100% purely trying to be good at all times is is this always the outcome and I think there's a good argument to be made that yes that is the outcome yeah I know you're right and particularly when you, if look if you're in a situation where the multitude is doing the wrong thing and you want to fight to do the right thing yes that's going to end badly and I think the whole point of this is he's saying well that's you're going to last even less time if you try to do that publicly. Yeah. If you have a private station, um, I don't think you, I, I don't, I don't think you could say he's commenting on one way being better than the other, but I think he's just pointing out the fact that if you take a private station, you're going to last a lot longer than if you take a public one. Yeah. I well, mean, you can think about yeah. he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, I, I, uh, I think what, what, oh, sorry, you go, you go. No, no, you go. I was just going to say, like, I think like Tim was sort of saying before, um, you know, some other people made like sort of stay silent to play the long game. And it's like, I won't say anything in this forum because I know I'm just going to get burnt. I'm going to try and save my mojo a little bit up so that as I get to that next step, I can, you know, exert some more, some more muscle onto that argument or whatever. Mm. And I've got a bit more, a bit more juice or something. I don't know. Yeah. Another show that it reminds me of is uh, Ozarks, which is pretty good, um, but it's basically like a drug dealing, money laundering show. But they just they they start out as normal a normal account, and he just gets in way too deep. But in the last season, there's all this rationalising as they've survived so long, and they're just doing worse and worse shit. And then they're just like, yeah, yeah, but at some point, we can use all of this power and money and influence we've amassed to do good. That's kind of like, well, really? <laughs> yeah, like, are those scales ever really going to rebalance? Like, is that it doesn't really work? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, I just I thought having said example. that. Oh, sorry, go. Yeah. Having said that, having said that, if he had a stood up at the very start and said, "No, I'm not doing wrong," he probably would have ended up dead, like mm-hmm. you know, in the second episode. You know? <laughs> so it's kind of like, eh. Uh, I just thought of an example of a show, uh, Rome. 
Um, so spoiler alert for those of you who haven't watched Rome. Um, but it's based on history, so if you're familiar with history, you know this anyway. But Cicero. Um, Cicero's character in Rome, I think, explores this, which is probably why I enjoy his character. Do you recall that, Ruben? Oh, no, I don't. So Cicero is the guy who's in charge of the moderates in the Senate. And Marcus Aurelius, like, would continually bullying and say, like, you have to vote my way, otherwise I will cut off your hands and nail them to the Senate door. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. um, and so he, he will, like, he knows that doing what he's doing is wrong, but he goes along with it so he can stay alive in the hope that eventually he can do something virtuous. And, and then eventually yeah. he does do something virtuous. So... Um, but ultimately, it, it destroys him because he's not doing what is virtuous. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So, I think that's probably what Socrates would argue as well. Yeah. So then... Socrates, can be, Socrates' position is like, no, you don't do what's wrong no matter what because you're only hurting yourself and those around you. And then he's like, so if you're in a public space in a corrupt city... And you're only going to do what's right. You're just not going to last long. Like it's, yeah. yeah. I think that's the story of Cicero in that show is not that you can survive, but it's you just have to choose when you'll be killed by the mob. Mm. Yeah. And so... What's your hill to die on kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. It's not... So if you want to be good, you, you're going to pay the price. Um, or as one of my former... Uh, work friends would say no good deed goes unpunished <laughs> no good deed goes unpunished yeah that's right mm. interesting yeah alright uh, let's move on uh, I'll read the next paragraph which I think yep I can read it let's go I can give you convincing evidence of what I say not words only but what you value far more actions let me relate to you a passage of my own life which will prove to you that I should never have yielded to injustice from any fear of death, and that as I should have refused to yield, I must have died at once. I will tell you a tale of the courts, not very interesting perhaps, but nevertheless true. The only office of state which I ever held, O men of Athens, was that of senator, the tribe Antiochus, Antiochus which is my tribe had the presidency at the trial of the generals who had not taken up the bodies of the slain after the battle of Aganassau, and you proposed to try them in a body, contrary to law, as you all thought afterwards. But at the time I was the only one of the Pritanes who was opposed to the illegality, and I gave my vote against you, and when the orators threatened to impeach and arrest me, and you called and shouted, I made up my mind that I would run the risk having law and justice with me rather than take part in your injustice because I feared imprisonment and death. This happened in the days of the democracy, but when the oligarchy of the Thirty was in power, they sent for me and four others into the rotunda and bade us bring Leon the Salamanian from Salamis as they wanted to put him to death. This was a specimen of the sort of commands which they were always giving with the view of implicating as many as possible in their crimes. 
And then I showed, not in word only but in deed, that if I may be allowed to use such an expression, I cared not a straw for death, and that my great and only care was lest I should do an unrighteous or unholy thing. For the strong arm of that oppressive power did not frighten me into doing wrong. And when we came out of the rotunda, the other four went to Salamis and fetched Leon, but I went quietly home, for which I might have lost my life had not the power of the thirty shortly afterwards come to an end, and many were witness to my words. Hmm. So he's a tested steel. He's already been tested in this way before, is his point. Yeah. It's a bit of a funny, like, it's a funny test. Like, I, I can sort of, like, acknowledge it on one hand, but, okay, he didn't take part in that thing, but that thing still happened anyway, even though he sort of just sort of went home. He didn't do anything to stop it. That's what I kept thinking, yeah. And I was like, well... Yeah. You knew it was going to happen whether you were there or not. And you said, oh, I'm going to dirty my hands with that and I'm going to head home. I um, had the same thought. I'm like, does that not still give you some level of culpability? Hmm. Hmm. And uh, I, I don't know if you know much about the, the story of the 30, but uh, he... I can't remember his name now, but the the leader of the 30, um, Socrates, knew him well. And um, I think there's a bit of shade sort of thrown on um, Socrates that he was given favour when he probably should have been put to death at that point in time for disobeying that order and that anyone else would be put to death. It was only that it was Socrates and that he knew the leader that he kind of got away with disobeying that right that order. And... Oh, okay. uh, and people were a bit shady with uh, Socrates after that. So it's a bit of a funny example. Um, so, um, But his point was he didn't care. He wasn't going to do it. And if he had to pay the price of his life, he was going to pay that price. Yeah. I, and I think that's right. But I think he probably also maybe felt like maybe his life wasn't quite on the line, <laughs> that he might get away with it, right? <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's just where my thought process went. I don't know. He's kind of standing tall on it now, but... Um, but do you think he went yeah, home to get out of the way or do you think he actually went, you know what, this public life thing is stupid and basically just stepped down by going home? Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I'm not playing that game. I'm taking my bat and ball and going home. Yeah. I think, like, he's probably fair in that he's saying, I don't want anything to do with this, right? Um, but as he was sort of saying, like, this was kind of commonplace at this time. Um, there's a lot of people just getting dragged up and, and killed off for, because they were, um, they were inconvenient or they were wealthy landowners that the 30 wanted their lands and monies, right? And so that there's a lot of shady stuff going on at that time. Um, mm. And it, look, he is somebody who is um, pretty righteous and trying to, you know, live a life of, you know, truth and justice and all that sort of thing. So you can understand why he's like, I, I think he's probably been on the peripheral and then he's been asked to get his hands dirty. And then he's sort of gone, uh, nah, 
I'm, I'm, I'm going to go home. So I can kind of, I can, I could probably understand his position like a hundred percent. Right. Um, but I don't know that he sort of necessarily thought he's put his life on the line. Although given the times, there's a lot of people getting, uh, getting knocked off for, for nothing, you know, so, yeah. you know, it's probably, yeah, probably fair odds. That was the really interesting line for me in that is that where he says this was a specimen of the sort of commands which they were always giving with the yep. view of implicating as many people as possible in their crime. So it's like the idea that he's like, they just get you involved. So you're involved in these murders mm. so that you become complicit so they can control you. I thought that's a really interesting sort of thing. That's like just gangster behavior really, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a, a, a rough time. Um, in, in Athens at that time, from what I understand. So uh, um, they were keen to get, get them out because it, it was, it was, yeah, almost to get all that gangster kind of stuff. Because they, they were, they just like targeting people to try and amass the wealth. So, um, you know, there was, there's nothing about truth or justice in anything that was sort of going on there. Yeah. Yeah. So you can understand why he would distance himself, but yeah. Anyway, it's an in, interesting thing to bring out because that was quite... Uh, public knowledge from what I understood. Uh, and so for him to raise that, everybody who's there in the court um, like, oh, yeah. would, would probably know that story, you know what I mean? And and have an opinion or have heard something about it. So, yeah. Um, but I just wonder if that would have worked to his favour or would have worked against him because they're like, don't try and sling that because we know, you know, you knew X, Y, Z and... Uh, you know, you're probably going to get away with that. So <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I yeah. just wonder what, what what the audience at the time. You can't tell, right? Uh, but I do wonder what yeah, they sure. uh, what they were all thinking or yelling out because I'm sure there's lots of noise. <laughs> yeah, it would have been noisy. Bullshit, so crates. You had to tell them to settle down a few times. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, I might just jump in and read the next paragraph because I think it sort of flows on. Yeah, if you guys are okay with that. So, here we go. Uh, okay. Now, do you really imagine that I could have survived all these years if I had led a public life, supposing that, like a good man, I'd always maintained the right and had made justice as I ought the first thing? No, indeed, men of Athens, neither I nor any other man. But I have been always the same in all my actions, public as well as private. And never have I yielded any base compliance to those who are slanderously termed my disciples, or to any other. Not that I have any regular disciples. But if anyone likes to come and hear me while I am pursuing my mission, whether he be young or old, he is not excluded. Nor do I converse only with those who pay. But anyone, whether he be rich or poor, may ask and answer me, and listen to my words. And whether he turns out to be a bad man or a good one, neither result can be justly imputed to me. For I never taught or professed to teach him anything. And if anyone says that he has ever learned or heard anything from me in private, which all the world has not heard, let me tell you that he is lying. <laughs> How can you teach something if you don't know anything? That's what he's saying. Yeah. Well, he's letting people just discover things about themselves, right? That's that's what it's about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's interesting because he does, like, uh, in another one of his dialogues, he basically says learning is more akin to remembering. 
than anything else. Hmm. So uh, it's it's kind of like it's almost like he's like, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I don't know anything. I just know that I don't know anything. So I'm just going to ask questions and you figure it out for yourself on the way. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's well played. Um, <laughs> I also enjoy that he's like, can you really imagine that I would have survived? <laughs> like, <laughs> it's literally in front of the mob that wants to kill him. And he's like, guys, <laughs> can you imagine letting me live if I had been in public life? Well, he has just already said very recently, uh, if you don't kill me, I'm just going to keep going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just did a, a quick Google because I couldn't quite remember, right? But the uh, the 30 Tyrants um, was led by uh, Critias, and Critias was a student of Socrates, right? So the, uh... leader, of the, the leader of the 30 Tyrants was one of Socrates' uh, former students. Um, so... Uh, do you reckon that's why he's bringing it up here? Maybe, maybe. You notice yeah. in the line there, he says, not that I have, like, he's, he talks about his disciples, he's like, but not that I have regular disciples. Like, I don't know, I don't, I don't tell anyone you do anything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, so, so he did cop a bit of um, heat because of that relationship because, you know, the leader of the 30 tyrants who's just killing people off and taking their money and, you know, ruling Athens with an iron fist is your ex-student <laughs> you, you giving him uh, some tutelage and uh, you know telling him what to do or like what's going on so um, <laughs> um so that 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 might be coloring um socrates a bit and maybe he's trying to distance himself through this sort of passage yeah, like, here yeah like, and, and while and while we're on the subject of the tyrants i just want to point out that i don't have disciples that i didn't tell no one to do nothing yeah 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 <laughs> Good or bad, that's on them, right? I'm just asking the question. That reminds me of that Simpsons episode where, like, like I'm gonna swing my fists like this, and yeah, if you yeah. walk into me, that's your fault. <laughs> it's kind of like that sort of idea. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's clever that he has said that um i i don't teach him anything because he's never claimed to know anything and at the start of his defense he's like all i know is that i know nothing so at least he's consistent i think that's that's good (laughs) uh we'll peel the lid off this next pandora's box and then we'll see how we go so it's a bit chunky this next paragraph i'll just Mm. have a sip of drink before i read this one (laughs) <laughs> you're gonna need a tip that is a long one yeah i'll stop at liar yeah. and um we can discuss but then the one after that is equally large at least i'm getting better at reading out loud <laughs> i'm not ready for an audio book yet but uh, i'm getting better at it okay here we go but i shall be asked Why do people delight in continually conversing with you? I have told you already, Athenians, the whole truth about this matter. They like to hear the cross-examination of the pretenders to wisdom. There is amusement in it. Now this duty of cross-examining other men has been imposed upon me by God and has been signified to me by the oracles, visions, and in every way 
in which the will of divine power was ever intimated to anyone. This is true, O Athenians, or if not true, would be soon refuted. If I am or have been corrupting the youth, those of them who are now grown up and have become sensible uh, that I gave them bad advice in the days of their youth should come forward as accusers and take their revenge. Or if they do not like to come themselves, some of their relatives, fathers, brothers, or other kinsmen, should say what evil their families have suffered at my hands. Now is their time. Many of them I see in the court. There is Crito, who is of the same age and of the same deem with myself. And there is Critobulus, his son, whom I also see. Then again, there is Bessanius of Cephetus, who is the father of Aeschines. He is present. And also there is Antiphon of Cephusus, who is the father of Epignus. And there are the brothers of several who have associated with me. There is Nicostratus, the son of Theodostitus. The I can't say that word. Theodotitus, <laughs> and the brother of Theodotus. Now Theodotus himself is dead, and therefore he at any rate will not seek to stop him. <laughs> and there is Paralus, the son of Demodocus, who had a brother, Thagus, and Adamantus, the son of Ariston, whose brother Plato is present, and Ant Antodorus, who is the brother of Apollodorus, whom I also see. I might mention a great many others, some of whom Miletus should have produced as witness in the course of his speech, and let him still produce them if he has forgotten. I will make way for him, and let him say if he has any testimony of the sort which he can produce. Nay, Athenians, the very opposite is the truth, for all these are ready to witness on behalf of the corrupter, of the inquirer of their kindred, as Miletus and Anitus call me, not the corrupted youth only. There might have been a motive for that, but their uncorrupted elder relatives, why should they too support me with their testimony? Why indeed, except for the sake of truth and justice, and because they know that I am speaking the truth, and that Miletus is a liar. Now, for any of you who know how to say those names correctly, I <laughs> apologize from the bottom of my heart. I'm just a simple dude from the western suburbs of Sydney. <laughs> and uh, I gave it a red-hot crack, but I'm sure I got some of those completely wrong. So, my apologies. <laughs> that was pretty tough. There's like 25 names in there or something like that. That's and I have no Greek heritage. I'm... <laughs> There's not a single 1% of me that's Greek, so I, I don't know what these are, but I gave it a go. It's all good, mate. It's all good. We no, it was good. I enjoyed reading that. Um, isn't it interesting that Plato's mentioned here? I think, is this the only one where he actually mentions himself besides that book that starts with my name? Timotus or whatever it is. I think he mentions yeah. himself in that too very unusual for him to be in it yeah um Timaeus the Timaeus yeah that's it yeah um my thoughts on this bit is Blues Brothers he basically does the Blues Brothers thing he's like I'm, a I'm on a mission from God <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
you will ask why basically you would ask why would i do this and he's like well i'm on a mission from god that's what he says there were tattoos on my knuckles you know <laughs> but he also points out why people keep doing it <laughs> he's like there's there's there is amusement in it <laughs> yeah <laughs> seeing someone who's full of it get kind of uh shown that they're full of it you know that's that's entertaining who doesn't it's want to watch that yeah, it would take down. Yeah, it'd be like um, those Ben Shapiro videos where you see Ben Shapiro destroys leftists, you know. It'd be like Socrates destroys his opponent. It'd be something like that. That's it. That's it. That's funny. Ben Shapiro's too short to destroy anything. I'm sure he'd manage <laughs> against some things. <laughs> Maybe like a low stool or something. <laughs> ben Shapiro hey. destroys cocaine. Something uh, elitist with your height, Ruben. <laughs> like a child when I stand yeah, I'm, a my, I'm a minority, bro. Crimea <laughs> <laughs> River. Actually, you may not be, given how tall the youth are getting these days. Oh, my goodness. My son who's 13. He's getting tall. He's taller than me. And your blooming son, Ruben, he's already got me by an inch and a half or so. Yeah. Like yeah, he's dude. 193 centimeters. We measured him like a couple of days ago. 193 Damn. centimeters at 13. That's huge. <laughs> That's the sound of control. You need to put some bricks on his head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So no, look, I enjoyed that. I. It's interesting that all those witnesses are there. So as we we're talking about hmm. before, they're not speaking up. They're sort of just along for the ride. Yeah, but I mean, I guess they're saying at the same time is like, but their silence is speaking for me and the fact they're not getting up there and agreeing with uh, Miletus, right? Obviously, Miletus is a liar because he he couldn't get any of these guys who are known to fraternize with me or I've, you know, I have spoken with their sons or what have you and allegedly I'm the corrupter, yet none of them are being presented to, to give evidence. So that kind of speaks... I think that's what he's trying to maybe, say. Yeah, maybe I'm misreading that. Maybe there's some sort of rule where, I mean, I'm sure this is the case in current courtrooms as well, where you can't just put yourself forward. You have to be called by one side or the other. And so Socrates isn't oh. calling them up, and obviously his opponent isn't going to call them up because they're not going to confirm the allegations. Hmm. Yeah, so he can't wait yeah, to publicly call them out to sort of uh, put it on uh, Miletus and sort of saying, hey, there's a bunch of other dudes here who've known me for years and uh, do you want to drag any of those guys up? No, no? Oh, mm. okay, mm. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and may not collaborate uh, with your story. It's interesting he's come straight out with that Miletus is a liar at the end there too. There's a nice little mic drop at the end there. Yes. He's going <laughs> after him. Well, you know, the guy wants you dead, so, you know, fair call. <laughs> Lachlan, you might know the answer to this. Is there any other records relating to Miletus? Um, do you know, I did look into that, but I don't remember off the top of my head because we've had a bit of a break here. So mm. uh, I did... Um, I did dig into it, I think, for the first episode. I had a little bit of background, but I can't remember. 
off the top of my head, sorry. Yeah, I wonder if this is his only place in history. If he's just this... Yeah. I've got a little bit here, a little bit of commentary. Okay, yep, go for it. Actually brought my try. Miletus was a tragic poet, young, obscure, and of unattractive appearance. <laughs> While of one, he knew little, except that he was a rhetorician. That's all I've got here. This is a little okay. book because it talks about some of his accusers. Do you really think he was unattractive, or is it just one of those Greek things that gets thrown in there? <laughs> Oh, that's the author. this author is saying that. I, I, I suspect there were probably some other references. Um, having said mm. that, if those references were written by Plato, I mean... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty funny. But it, Plato describes Miletus as the youngest of three prosecutors, having a beak and long straight hair and a beard which is ill-grown. <laughs> 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 He has peach fuzz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's pretty funny. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, you know, from, from, reading, from reading this and hearing all these characters getting listed, I don't know why a really talented person hasn't written like a black comedy about the life of Socrates. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's been some uh, stage plays on it. Before. Like a Monty Python Maybe or something. What's that? Like a Monty Python sort of thing? Is that what you mean? Oh, maybe a little bit more serious than a Monty Python, but yeah, something like that. I think it'd be great if someone had the talent to do it. But you've got all these characters lined up and you could um, really write an interesting, like, sort of coincidental black comedy around it. You know, I think it'd be good. Yeah, it would be. All right, um, I'm going to read the next paragraph. I think we can get to the end of this section and then we'll call it. So, go for it. I think there's this paragraph and one more, and then it's kind of a clear next section. So we'll just yeah, that's the paragraphs the on the head. Yeah, yeah the last little bit before ruling. So. <clears throat> I'll do this first paragraph. We'll discuss and then do the second paragraph. Here we go. Actually, I better hold the book, otherwise I'll lose my place. All right. Well, Athenians, this and the like of this is all the defence which I have to offer. Yet a word more. Perhaps there may be someone who is offended at me when he calls to mind how he himself on a similar or even a less serious occasion prayed and entreated the judges with many tears and how he produced his children in court, which was a moving spectacle, together with a host of relations and friends. Whereas I, who am probably in danger of my life, will do none of these things. The contrast may occur to his mind and he may be set against me and vote in anger, because he is displeased at me on this account. Now, if there be such a person among you, mind, I do not say that there is. To him I may fairly reply, My friend, I am a man, and like other men, a creature of flesh and blood, and not of wood or stone, as Homer says. And I have a family, yes, and sons, Athenians, three in number, one almost a man, and two others who are still young. And yet I will not bring any of them hither in order to petition you for an acquittal. And why not? Not from any self-assertion or want of respect for you. Whether I am or am not afraid of death is another question, of which I will not speak. But having regard to public opinion, 
I feel that such conduct would be discreditable to myself, and to you, and to the whole state. One who has reached my years, and who has a name for wisdom, ought not to demean himself. Whether this opinion of me be deserved or not, at any rate, the world has decided that Socrates is in some way superior to other men. And if those among you who are said to be superior in wisdom and courage and any other virtue demean themselves in this way, how shameful is their conduct. I have seen men of reputation when they have been condemned behaving in the strangest manner. They seem to fancy that they were going to suffer something dreadful if they died and that they could be immortal if you only allowed them to live. And I think that such are a dishonour to the state, and that any stranger coming in would have said of them that the most eminent men of Athens to these things ought not to be done by those of us who have a reputation. Oh, sorry. I said that wrong. Um, I'll start back here. And I think that such are a dishonour to the state, and that any stranger coming in would have said of them that the most eminent men of Athens, to whom the Athenians themselves give honour and command, are no better than women. And I say that these things ought not to be done by those of us who have a reputation. And if they are done, you ought not to permit them. You ought rather to show that you are far more dispossessed, or disposed, sorry, far more disposed to condemn the man who gets up a doleful scene and makes the city ridiculous than him who holds his peace. I skipped a line by accident on that one. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. I'll edit it, maybe. <laughs> I just hold up my mug so I know where to find it when I'm producing this thing. <laughs> I might edit it, I might not. I'll see if I can be bothered. Oh, hang on. actually, would Socrates want me to edit it, or would he see that as deception? <laughs> He's a seeker of truth, though, Tim. Uh, I'll have to leave it. <laughs> In honor of the great man, I'll let people see that I do stupid things. <laughs> uh, that's an excellent close. Yeah. I'm not bringing my children up here to beg for mercy because I'm better than that. That's mm. what he's saying there. Yeah, and he's saying, and you guys should be too. He's like, it's an embarrassment if you start just like acquitting people because they give you a sub story. Yeah. He's like, yeah. I'm not going to do it. You shouldn't yeah, buy it. They've either done the right thing or the wrong thing. Make a decision. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's a big call. Hmm. Yeah, he's like, I'm not even going to talk about whether I'm afraid of death or not. You know, like, I'm not going to stand here and beg. Yeah, you know? I like it. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Um, anything Shameful else that we want to pick out of there? Contract. No. Interesting who um, quotes Homer again. Yeah. Yeah. Have either of you read Homer? No, it's no. on my list. Yeah. Have you, Ruben? No, no, no. I mean, bits and pieces, but never properly, yeah. like, from start to finish. Yeah. Uh, I've read the Iliad and the other one, which the name escapes me right now. Um, hmm. 
and then my wife's reading them, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's pretty good. Mm. Um, all right, well, I'll read the next bit, and uh, that'll be the last Wrap paragraph up. for this evening. All good. I'm just going to get my mouth to work properly. <laughs> okay, here we go. But setting aside the question of public opinion, there seems to be something wrong in asking a favour of a judge and thus procuring an acquittal instead of informing and convincing him. For his duty is not to make a present of justice, but to give judgment. And he has sworn that he will judge according to the laws and not according to his own good pleasure. And we ought not to encourage you, nor should you allow yourselves to be encouraged in this habit of perjury. There can be no piety in that. Do not then require me to do what I consider dishonourable and impious and wrong, especially now when I am being tried for impiety on the indictment of Miletus. For if, O men of Athens, by force of persuasion and entreaty, I could overpower your oaths, then I should be teaching you to believe that there are no gods, and in defending should simply convict myself of the charge of not believing in them. But that is not so, far otherwise, for I do believe that there are gods, and in a sense, higher than that in which any of my accusers believe in them. And to you and to God I commit my cause to be determined by you as is best for you and me. Hmm. Hmm. So it's like setting aside public opinion. Yeah. Get wrecked. No. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, look, I think he's he's just basically trying to um, put it out to sort of, I don't know, in a way it's, it's. I think he's trying to just remind the judges not to be swayed by Miletus and, and his approach, if you know what I mean, because yeah. that's everything that Miletus is about is the influence and all of that sort of thing. And so he's saying, well, you know, I'm not going to do this because... I know you're above that, right? So I'm just reminding you that you're above that sort of thing and that you're not mm. here to be influenced by anyone else other than just to judge based on the, you know, the facts presented, you know? Um, so it's, it's kind of a, a neat way and it was probably pretty relevant just given the time and, um, you know, that sophism was such a, such a strong thing at the time to, to try and just put that across like, this shouldn't be a matter of influence. This should be a matter of right and wrong. Why, why do you think Plato left out the majority of the oppositional argument? Yeah, it's a good question, actually, um, because there's no record of Miletus's testimony, only the cross-examination by Socrates. So this, maybe they weren't there. Like, do you think when Socrates spoke, he allowed those people to come into the space, but because they weren't brought forward by the accuser, maybe they weren't there for that part of the, the trial, maybe? Do you think that might the, be why? There's speculation that, well, I don't think it's a speculation. It's probably close to fact that I suppose uh, Plato wasn't writing this necessarily to, like, try and record the event word for word but it was more to try and get 
the the point of it across if you know what i mean and so maybe he just felt there wasn't any value added to the story from mm. adding Melinda's bit in there and you can infer like most of the indictment from his defense like he pretty much covers off what he was accused of mm. yeah well so maybe it's just unnecessary i think you're right yeah um, no. could be either i'm just curious oh it would be interesting for sure um just to, just to hear i don't know um just how ridiculous it might sound because it does like based on the defense it sounds kind of silly but obviously that's the way that it's been framed by socrates in his argument right um yeah. it'd be interesting, interesting to hear the uh their, vibe, their the... side of it yeah mm-hmm. yeah very much so well i think we'll wrap it up there gentlemen yeah absolutely yeah so that's that's the end of his defense and then i think uh after that it goes on to his response to the judgment well uh we did go slightly over time tonight and we did have a little bit of a conversation at the start so i reckon we'll skip the pub for lots of us tonight and uh go straight to our exit which is uh the republic wasn't built in a day and neither are middle-aged men and um guys thanks for joining me again tonight and Happy New Year. Welcome to 2023. Uh, I've got a feeling this year is going to be a great year because it's the year of 23, which is Michael Jordan's number. And when I turned 23, I won three different competitions and I've never won a competition in my life and I've never won any since. So I'm like, come on, baby, 2023. It's a good year. (laughs) Hold on, isn't the number, isn't 23... When all of the famous people die, is it the age or something? Isn't there an age, a certain age where all the same? Or is it twenty-seven? I don't think it's twenty-three. I think it's twenty-seven. Might be twenty-seven. Yeah. Right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, come on, bring it on. So, hopefully yeah. it's a good year. Hopefully it's a good year. I think so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Thanks, everyone, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Cheers. Bye.